Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. On her long motion towards the center, now back towards the right. Raiders come with four. Here comes the fifth rusher. And he's sacked! And the Raiders defense holds on fourth down. And I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. TDLB! Raiders in the end zone! Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. So funny, Raider Nation, as that intro was playing, I'm sitting back as I'm in the home studio. DeMond Cotton's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm realizing today is Thursday, or Thursday, and when I was in Central Texas, every time we started the show, it would be Thirsty Thursday. And I realized I haven't talked about Thirsty Thursday since I've been in, in Las Vegas. I don't know why that is. I just realized that. There's some traditions, I guess they die when the, when the fellas and pops ain't around to, to have a couple cold ones following the show, like always. So I didn't even recognize Thirsty Thursday. That used to be, DeMond, that was a tradition Every single Thursday, when we started the show, everyone knew. All my co-hosts would say, all right, Q, where are we going for Thirsty Thursday? Or better yet, where are you going for Thirsty Thursday? Where are you going to go meet Pops? So, uh, man, I need Pops and John and all them. I need them to come to Vegas, man. We got to have, have a Thirsty Thursday reunion, man. I don't even know how to say it anymore. I, I can't even get it out right. Something's wrong with your boy. But with Thirsty Thursday, would it be a remote? Because, I mean, the tie-in here is already working. That's what I'm saying. We could do a remote somewhere. I mean, it's we're, we're setting it up for success. You know, I'm, I'm throwing the tea leaves out to any of the salespeople that are listening or actually anyone who decides they want to have Unnecessary Roughness live at their location. We can do a Thirsty Thursday day with Unnecessary Roughness, Demond Cotton, and your boy Q. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing those ideas out there. That's how I roll. Sounds good to me. I mean, like you said, just throwing the tea leaves out there. If anybody, if anybody is listening, the opportunities are endless here. Come on, man. I mean, I'm just saying. Again, I'm, I'm a, I'm a wealth of ideas, and I just, I, I like to share them with everyone. What else I like to share is the fantastic show that we have lined up. Very excited about it. And big shout out to my guy Harry Ruiz, who did a great job filling in for JT the Brick for the last couple hours on the JT the Brick show. Uh, JT will be back in action in the studio tomorrow. From, uh, from noon to 2 here on Radio Nation Radio 920. But, man, we've got a loaded show for you coming up today, as we always do. Mike Clay from ESPN, he's going to join the show at 2.30. He always puts out rankings. He's a big fantasy football guy. I'm not big fantasy football. Anyone who's listened to the show before knows I'm not big on fantasy football. But uh, the still, the looking at the numbers side of things, the rankings side of things, uh, Mike is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to that. And he put out a piece probably a couple weeks ago now at this point. It's a little bit – we're catching up to him a little bit later – uh, than I would like to when it comes to this uh, this this ranking that he put out for all 32 teams and you know basically like the quarterback where do they rank uh, what's the what's the team that's the best situation at quarterback what's the team with the worst situation and what's the team that's on the rise and he did that for basically every skill position uh, defense offense I mean just all kind of uh, good stuff that he put out on the ESPN.com. Now that it's been out for a couple weeks, I don't want to just sit there and look at the rankings and, well, the Raiders rank here and the Raiders rank there. I want to talk about the offensive line that was ranked, you know, 30th out of 32 and say, okay, now that we know right now who the, the starting five is, at least we believe we know who the starting five is, how do you take that 30th ranking? How do you improve it? How do they become one cohesive unit? How can they improve over the course of the season? I'm not saying they're going to come out the gates against the Chargers and be a great offensive line, but as they did last year, they have an opportunity to grow. 
And towards the end of the season last year, you saw that offensive line that was a struggle bus early in the season become really a good strength and help the Raiders get where they ultimately needed to go, which was on a four-game win streak and into the playoffs. So we'll take that angle. It'll be just a different little approach. It just won't be going through the rankings. It's that old Derek Carr. He came in 13th. Okay, that's fine. He's 13th. Who cares? What can he do this year with Joshua Daniels, with Devontae Adams, with Darren Waller, with Hunter Renfro? How much can he improve? How big of a season can he be lined up for? So we'll take a different angle when it comes to the conversation with Mike Clay. Again, his uh, piece that he put out on ESPN.com is really good, but it's a couple weeks old now. So just want to kind of deep dive into what he thinks, and we'll do all things, talk all things silver and black with Mike Clay coming up at 2.30. But, uh, Damon, again, the, the offensive line is going to be the conversation until it's not the, off- the, the conversation until something else is, is there that's a bigger storyline, and right now it is the O-line. But can you see – Maybe over the course of the you know first few weeks of the season, and even you know maybe up to the bye week, continuing to see that offensive line grow, depending on who the final five are that they settle in on. Yes, and I'll go with one of the oldest cliches out there: it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So as of week one, as of right now, this could be the thirtieth best or worst, however you want to say it, right? Offensive line in the league. But the hope is that this team will get better as the season goes on, and maybe they finish. Hey, this is the twenty second, twenty first, twentieth offensive line in the league and then that's where you right. would want to be at for the Raiders because no one thinks that with no matter how good of a coaching job that this staff can do that this is going to be the best offensive line in the league but it's almost that same thing with the defense where people just hey if the defense can just be average right if this offensive line can just be average 15th middle of the road they hit a home run this season right and we've been talking about them being average for a while now and just if you can only get to 15 if you can only get to about you know 15 or 16 you'll be cooking with grease so we'll see what they do i'm actually pretty excited about the potential of the defense so we'll uh, ask mike a couple questions also defensively especially about chandler jones and uh, max crosby so that's coming up at 2:30. uh we're gonna still have a couple more raider alumni conversations that you'll get to hear as we close things out we've heard from a lot of the guys that i talked to on friday uh, gonna hear from a couple more and they're guys that we've already heard from on the show but just not in this setting. So uh, Steve Wisniewski, who we actually had on the radio show last week, and we had him on for a good 15, 16 minutes, uh, he's, he's going to briefly be on the show. So you should hear that conversation around 2.45. And then Phil Villapiano, you'll hear that conversation with him later on in the show. But, uh, yeah, Mike Clay from ESPN at 2.30, Steve Wisniewski, 2.45 at 3 o'clock. Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports, she'll join the show. And shout-out to the Aces. I don't know who was locked in. There was two things I was watching last night on my television, and this is back-to-back. I was watching Serena win in round two of the U.S. Open in advance. She'll be playing on Friday night. I'll be locked in on that again and watching the Aces, and the Aces pulled out a nice victory over the Seattle Storm to tie up the series at one, and now they'll move on to Seattle for game three. And, uh, man, that was the game where Asia Wilson last night is my man Vegas Jess and Twilight, a.k.a. Jason, were there in attendance. They know that was a hell of a game that Asia Wilson had, man. She, she put on a show and let the team know, I got your back. She had eight points in game one, had 33 points in game two. So a big-time difference, and uh, the Aces come away with the victory, and uh, they tie up their series. So we'll talk to Paloma about that, who was in attendance, coming up at 3 o'clock. At 3.30... Tiffany McNiff is going to join the show. She's been on the show before. She's the Raiderette director. They have a new studio over there, uh, right over there by the Raiders facility that uh, they're opening up, and they're going to have actually a walkthrough of it where the public is uh, open to come out there and check it out. And So she'll join us real briefly just to tell us about what's going on over there at the studio and like to, like to always catch up with everything going on official with the Raiders or the Raiderettes. So Tiffany McNiff will join us at 3.30. Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders Radio Network, obviously a former Raider offensive lineman, will join us at 4 o'clock. He joins us every 
every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 o'clock. We'll really start to dive in with Lincoln. Now that the f- initial 53-man roster is out there, you know, how do you, how do you start to put it together? You know, how do these guys start practicing with less guys out there on the field? They were practicing with 80. Now they're down to 53 that they're practicing with. So how do things change? How do things start to come together? And, again, going back to the offensive line conversation we were having, DeMond, how do they come together? How quickly can they gel now that we somewhat have an idea? I believe we have an idea of who the starting five is going to be. But you never know. It's only September 1st. A lot could change between now and the beginning of the season, which is September 11th. So we'll talk to Lincoln Kennedy at 4 o'clock. And then, as I mentioned, Phil Villapiano, a uh, conversation that we were able to have on Friday at Allegiant Stadium. You'll hear that conversation around 4.30. So uh, got a lot to get to on today's show. Uh, matter of fact, I'm just kidding. Uh, just got uh, an update right now. Rich Eisen. You can hear the Rich Eisen show right here on Raider Nation Radio 920 between 10 and noon. Uh, here again on on the radio station, just sent me a, a, a text and let me know that he'll be joining the show at 4.30. So, uh, yeah, Phil Villapiano, we'll have to move him a little bit. No worries. We'll get to him. But Rich Eisen, a guy who's been very high on the Raiders for a very long time. I've been talking about him for a while. I continue to say that he's going to join the show. Literally just sent me a text as we're, as we're uh, talking and talking about who's on the show and said, yes, 4.30 to 4.45, he will join the show. So he'll be in that little 15-minute window right there. So we'll be blessed to be able to close out the show with the great Rich Eisen. So, yeah, star-studded affair, Mike Clay, Paloma Villacana, Tip- Tiffany McNiff, Lincoln Kennedy, and Rich Eisen are all on the show today here on Raider Nation Radio 920. With all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So Raider Nation, I know that there's a lot of guests that we have coming up on the show. I know there won't be a whole lot of time for for uh, you know calls and texts, but we want to get as many in as possible, and I really want to start things off right now. I want to light up those phone lines at 702-365-9200. want to hear from you. We talked a lot about Sam Webb yesterday, the undrafted free agent. Uh, I think he's going to have a potential to have some really good uh, action this year, and I think he's going to have an opportunity to grow with this team. Of course, uh, making the 53-man roster as an uh, undrafted free agent is never easy, but he did it. So, you know, he's got to find a way to stick on the roster now, right? He's got a lot of work to do, but he's not the only one. Isaiah Polamoa, the safety, he's a guy who's got to stick on the roster. He made the 53-man roster. And then the linebackers that we talk about, Luke Masterson and Darian Butler, they also made it as undrafted free agents. Four guys undrafted free agents all made the 53-man roster, which don't, don't take that with a grain of salt. Don't, don't think that that's not a big deal. I continuously, and all night last night, I had people texting me saying, Q, four undrafted free agents made the, made the, uh, the 53-man roster. What does that say about this, the talent uh, evaluators that are in the building right now that they're able to find some gems like that and all four of them make the roster? And I said, yeah, it, it all looks good and it all sounds good. It's got to go and translate on the field now, right? I mean, it, it's all the, the stories write themselves. The stories, I can sit here and talk about the stories for hours, but now they've got to go out there. They've got to hold on to that spot, and they've got to show why they were put on that 53-man roster. So, Raider Nation, I want to ask you, out of the four undrafted free agents that are currently on the 53-man roster, who do you think en- ends up being the most productive this season for the Raiders. Again, there's four guys that made it. Isaiah Polamoa, the safety. You got uh, Luke Masterson, the linebacker. Darian Butler, the linebacker. And, uh, and then 
and then you also have uh, – now I just forgot – Sam Webb, the cornerback. I don't know how I can forget Sam Webb, man, just talking about him so much. I guess his, his name uh, escapes me. But out of all four of those guys, who do you think has the most production? Who do you think we're really talking about the most at the end of the day? And I know he wasn't an undrafted free agent, but I think Nate Hobbs was uh, you know, one of the, the lower-round picks last season that we were talking about quite a bit, right? So he was the one guy that shined out of the group of – uh, you know, lower lower draft picks. And that's not his fault that he got picked in the fifth round, but he sure did make the be- most of his opportunities when he got in there. And I think everyone ended the season saying, man, that Nate Hobbs guy is going to be really good. And now here we are. We're looking at him as a guy who could play all over the field and think that he's going to be probably the leader, probably the best cornerback that they have on the roster. I have no, no problem actually saying that, that Nate Hobbs is the best cornerback that they have on the roster. I don't care if he's playing outside. I don't care if he's playing in the slot. I believe he's the best one that they have. So, again, out of the four, out of Sam Webb, out of Luke Masterson, Darian Butler, and Isaiah Polamoa, who do you think is going to have the most production for the Raiders in 2022? 702-365-9200. That is the Raider Nation listener line. Demond, who's up first? Operator Raider. Operator Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's happening, Q? What's up, Demond? Um, hey, don't be forgetting about Taco Tuesdays as well. I know you like Thirsty Thursdays. Don't about Taco <laughs> on Tuesdays. Um, no, the the guy I think is going to have the most production this year is probably going to be Luke Masterson based on his uh, positioning in the linebacker room. He's the next guy up. That's that's how I see that going. And um, honestly, I think this defense has a chance to be scary good this year. Well, sneaky good. Um, no one's really talking about the defense as a whole. I mean, when we watch them against the Patriots, they their seconds and thirds pretty much shut down the Patriots' ones. I know the Patriots have issues on offense right now, but it's pretty impressive to me. And over the years of just watching our defenses give up play after play after play, I don't know. I think Patrick Graham really has a formula going on here, and hopefully guys like Clee Farrell and Amit Robertson can capitalize on a change like that. So we'll see. Hopefully uh, it scares me. I think the defense is going to be good enough that uh, Patrick Graham might have a head coaching job next year. That kind of scares me, but we'll see. (laughs) All right. Hey, thanks for the call, Operator Raider. Thanks for starting us off. And I'll say this. I agree with you 100% with Patrick Graham. Uh, Unfortunately, I think that him and Champ Kelly both will probably be somewhere different than the Raiders sooner rather than later. Uh, Patrick Graham, he might be he may be a head coach, like you mentioned, as early as next year, maybe a couple seasons. Uh, I think he's going to be a head coach somewhere fast. Matter of fact, uh, surprised that the Raiders had an opportunity to actually have him as a defensive coordinator. Thought he was going to be a, a head coach this past season. I think he thought he was going to be a head coach this past season as well when he interviewed with the Giants. It just made all the sense in the world, but they went and got Brian Dayball for an opportunity to try to rescue and try to fix uh, Danny Dimes there in New York to see if there's anything to do with them or, or if they're going to have to go over and start over with the new quarterback position so uh, I think that the Raiders got pretty lucky getting Patrick Graham as a defensive coordinator I think that was a really good get but yeah I'm with you I don't think he's going to be uh, the defensive coordinator that long and I think that's reasons why there's guys like Rob Ryan currently on the staff because he's very familiar with that obviously there's other guys outside the building that can uh, fill that void but I think that would be a smooth transition if need be a guy like Rob Ryan who's def- who's right now a, a defensive assistant uh, you know a, a kind of a, a guy who an analyze position. He's a defensive analyst right now on the Raiders uh, coaching staff, so there's that. But, uh, yeah, Luke Masterson, he's definitely uh, the 
the un- undrafted free agent that I think is going to get the most action as well. He was the guy that I pegged to make the squad, and I just, I mean, I was very confident. I, I picked Sam Webb as well, but I wasn't as confident with him as I was with uh, Luke Masterson. So that's the guy that I picked. I think he's going to get the most production. I think you're going to see him out there quite a bit, being able to come in sometimes with Denzel Perryman. He could play multiple roles. I mean, it's just, there's a lot to like about Masterson. Obviously, there's a lot to like about Butler as well, but for my money, I think Masterson's going to be that guy. But, again, want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Who's up next, Amon? Oh. Just up a reiterator for okay, right now. Okay, cool. Perfect. Cool. No, no doubt. No doubt. All right, let me go to the text line real quick. Uh, Mailman Raider said, I'm not sure who will have the most productive season, but, will who, but who will have the best chance of getting the most playing time? That'll be my pick. Right. That makes sense. And let's see. Most playing time. I, I would say – well, I just picked Luke Masterson. So, I, I mean, when I put him in this conversation, obviously I just picked him. So there's, there's that. Um, I think that the most playing time will probably come down to Masterson and I want to say Sam Webb. What do you think, Damon? Do you think, you think that's a good bet? Yeah, that's a good bet. And also what the texter's saying there when it comes to the playing time because that's just how do you want to, you know, define – well, I mean, like, because let's say because if Sam Webb has two interceptions, right. but Masterson plays more snaps, right? I mean, depending on when those interceptions come in the game, I mean, that mo- could be a better season, right? The there. most, the most production. <laughs> yeah, That's most what productive. I'm asking. The most production. I mean, think about this. What did Malcolm Kuntz do last year? He didn't have a lot of playing time, but he made the most out of his snaps, right? He had three sacks and a limited amount of snaps. So I would say that that was the most productive, you know, guy because he he had production. So if Sam Webb comes in and plays. You know, he dresses out for eight games, nine games, but comes away with two or three interceptions. That's a lot of production. That's something to build off of, right? If Masterson gets in there and plays some snaps and collects a handful of tackles, but, you know, no, nothing wow or nothing, you know, nothing where you're like, man, that's, that's the guy, I would say that you would give the nod to Sam Webb. So it doesn't necessarily – I mean, with what Mailman Raider's saying, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the guy who plays the most has the, most, the best chance of having the most production, but – Production comes in many shapes and forms, right? I mean, yes. you know, Master, I mean, not Masterson, uh, who knows, Sam Webb might come up with a big interception and take it to the house, right? It, it, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many scenarios, and that's why I think that this is a fun conversation to have. Just like, I mean, Isaiah Polamoa, no one's really talking about him right now, but what if he goes in and becomes like a special teams ace this year? What if he just becomes that dude? Right? I don't remember the guy's name. I always forget it, and someone always reminds me here on Red Nation Radio 920, which I appreciate. There was a guy that the Chargers had for years. He came out of San Diego State. He played with Kirk Morrison, matter of fact. And he was exactly that. He was a wide receiver, but he was a special teams dude. Like, he made the Pro Bowler as a special teams guy, right? And it wasn't because he was a great returner. It was just that he was a hell of a, a, a player on special teams. And I always forget his name. Again, he played with Kirk Morrison back at San Diego State, and I, I forget his name. Uh, I had a friend that I actually used to work with at uh, Q97 in Fresno, and she went to school with him as well and used to talk about him. Uh, oh, man, I hate that I forget his name. It's like uh, – I want to say it's like Akeem uh, – Az- is it like Azakim or – oh, man, I hate that I forget his name. Anyway, I know someone's going to text in and tell me who it is, but he was a really good special teams dude. And, uh, I mean, that's just what he did. That's how he buttered his bread was by way of special teams. So there's so many different ways to have really good production when it comes to, uh, you know, when it comes to, to the, the, the four undrafted free agents in the upcoming season. You just never know. 
Uh, just got a tweet from the Raiders. We have signed defensive back J.R. Reed and offensive lineman uh, Vitaly German to the practice squad. So uh, we found out earlier today that Bam Olasini had been released from the practice squad, and everyone was wondering why why Bam, the rookie, had just got released when he just got signed. Well, another offensive lineman is coming to the mix. Put out a tweet about that early. Uh, Vitaly German, he's the offensive lineman. He was uh, in camp with the Chiefs, and now he's in the practice squad with the Silver and Black, and they also signed defensive back J.R. Reed. So we get a little bit of uh, in information on those guys. Matter of fact, the Raiders just sent an email over as well. Reed uh, spent time on the practice squad for the Rams in 2020 before signing to the Giants active roster in 2021. Played in 16 games, totaled nine tackles on defense, six stops on special teams. Uh, German, 310-pound offensive lineman, entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent with the Chiefs in 2022 before being waived at the end of training camp. Played two seasons at Toledo after transferring. Uh, then he was named the first team All-PSA C in 2019, and additionally, the Raiders released tackle Bam Olasini from the practice squad. So there's that. And uh, I had a little notes on the offensive linemen, so let me go ahead and get that real quick. And it's not my notes, so I don't want to take credit from it. But we had Jason Horowitz, the voice of of the Silver and Black. We had him on the show yesterday, and then he was on the the morning tailgate this morning, uh, talking to Clay and Vinny and Heidi. But uh, Jason tweeted out after seeing the news about uh, German, the offensive lineman signing with the Raiders practice squad. He said less than 24 hours after announcing the practice squad, the Raiders asked, added uh, Vitaly German instead of Bam Olasini. Uh, I did Toledo game last year. Here are the notes. First four years at Division II school in Pennsylvania, left guard first seven games, back to left tackle. Old school, big, and strong. Little nugget right there from Jason Horowitz on the newest offensive lineman added to uh, the Raiders practice squad right there. So just wanted to give you a little bit of back good. Oh, there it goes. Little background there. Man, awesome. Texter from the 831. Shout out to the texter from the 831. Kasim Osgood, that was his name. He's the one who played with Captain Kirk in San Diego State. And that dude was – that's all he did was special teams. Like he wanted – I think he left the Chargers at some point because he wanted to be, and I say this in air quotes, wide receiver in the NFL. And he just wasn't that guy, right? I mean, he, he, he tried and he did okay, but special teams is how he buttered his bread. And dude literally made the Pro Bowls as, as a special teamer, as a special team ace. I mean, he was that guy. Mac Hollins is really kind of that guy. But he can catch the ball and play wide receiver as well. Like, Matt Collins could play wide receiver, where Osgood was just a special teamer, in my opinion. Never really was worth the salt as a wide receiver. But special he went teamer, to Jacksonville the next season, actually. Yeah, to okay. Prove, you know, and he got six, six catches. Exactly, exactly. There you go. But he got a nice little, he got a nice little bag. I don't know what his, uh, his contract was, but I, I guarantee he got a nice little free agent deal and thought he was going to be a wide receiver. And he just he never was a wide receiver. But, man, that dude could play special teams. He was that guy. Real quick, I'll get, maybe it could just be like a little Patriots connection and McDaniels knowing how to use a guy like this. But Matthew Slater, 10 Pro Bowls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. There you go. And that's, and that's what? A special team dude. I asked Matthew Slater, what Super Bowl was it? The one in Atlanta where the Patriots beat the Rams. And it was that Super Bowl that was really – it was my first Super Bowl I was ever in attendance of. And I was super pumped up to be there. And then it was like a boring Super Bowl. Right, but I didn't care because it was still. I'm in Atlanta, even though it's super cold outside, uh, and I'm at the Super Bowl, so I, I better not complain about that, right? So I'm there, and I remember asking Matthew Slater in the it was the, in, on the little podium session uh, after the game. I asked him about being a special teams ace and how he's made a whole career out of that, and why is he so good at that? And he said, "I want to be on the team. I, I want to play football. I want to be part of this team." 
and to be part of this team, that's the job that I have to have. And I go, I'll go out there, and I'll excel at it, and I'll be the best special teamer there is. And that's what exactly what Matthew Slater did. And so, yeah, uh, Osgood is the same kind of dude. And, you know, there's, there's – I mean, maybe, maybe uh, Isaiah Polamo ends up being that same kind of guy. Who knows? I think he has an opportunity to, to form into a, a safety, but he's not needed right now to be a safety with the silver and black. So I think that he'll have an opportunity to, to go out there and – and do what he does and make his bread and make his, uh, his way and name by way of special teams. Mailman Raider asked another question on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Actually, Q, can we add DJ Turner in there? He was undrafted last year but didn't play any. LOL, I pick him. Next great returner. And, sure, I'll throw him in there. I mean, I, you know, I will. After, after I called him DJ Butler, that's the least I could do, right? At least, at least give him a little bit of props and let him be in, in, the, in, the, in the show topic for the day. Yeah, yeah, we could put DJ Turner in there. You know what? Going back to special teams. We just, I just went on and on and on about special teams. DJ Turner might not do anything. I mean, he might not do anything offensively. I'm not saying he won't. I'm just saying he might not. But if he is able to return kicks, return punts, and help the Raiders get really good field position and be secure with the ball – that's a win, too. I mean, that really is. So, yeah, Mailman Raider, that's fine. We'll throw DJ Turner in there. I, he wasn't undrafted this year, but, hell, I mean, he's another guy. And, again, this is credit to the coaching staff, and we'll talk to Lincoln about this coming up at 4 o'clock because he always talks about this coaching staff practicing what they preach, and that's what they've done. These guys, these are five guys that are all undrafted free agents. Of course, DJ Turner was from a year ago. That are all made the 53-man roster. And guys that were in first-round picks, gone. Second-round pick, gone. Right? I mean, there's guys that have, have been drafted, have looked like guys that could be, you know, cornerstone pieces, cornerstone pieces for the team for a while, gone. And I get it, man. When, like Charles Woodson said on Twitter, when a new regime comes in, they bring in their guys. That's, that's, that's any business in the world. It doesn't matter what job you're in, whatever line of work you're in. When someone new comes in, most of the time they want to get their own guys in there. That's just the reality of it. Well, they're getting their own guys in there, but they're getting them from everywhere. That's the thing. It's not like they're just getting guys they drafted. They're getting guys that they traded for. They're getting guys that they signed as undrafted free agents, guys that were lesser round draft picks. I mean, they're getting these guys from everywhere. So that I can really appreciate. So Raider Nation, uh, let us hear from you. 702-365-9200. Of course, that's Raider Nation listener line. We'll get back to calls and texts in just a little while. But you, Well, we'll get back to calls in a little while. You can still text the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Let us know about the undrafted free agents and DJ Turner. We'll throw him in there. Uh, those guys are all on the 53-man roster. Who do you think ends up being the most productive for the Raiders in 2022? 226 is the time. When we come back, Mike Clay from ESPN, he'll join the show. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got a text on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r don't forget the great Rock Cartwright, running back who basically got all the tackles on kickoffs. Yeah, man, he was that dude. That guy was always making plays on special teams. Uh, man, I remember that guy going way back. I, man, I could tell a story on top of story about him, but I'm not going to do that. Not right now. Also, Vegas just tweeted at me, said, I'm ready for Thirsty Thursday, Q. So there you go. 
We got the movement going. Again, this is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Joining us now on the phone lines is our guy Mike Clay from ESPN. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Clay ESPN. And Mike, appreciate your time this afternoon as always, my man. And a few weeks ago now, you had a piece out about ranking the best and the worst on all 32 teams in the NFL. And it's a couple weeks old now. I really just want to kind of jump into it when it comes to the Raiders, the offensive line. That's the big, uh, you know, the big elephant in the room. They're ranked very low right now, 30th on your list how could Josh McDaniels kind of go into this this season and really help scheme it up and you know now that you know the 53 men roster you kind of have an idea who's going to be the five on that offensive line how could he scheme things up and really kind of help them out at least early on <laughs> uh hey uh I guess that's his his expertise right he's gonna have to figure <laughs> that out uh uh, but look, I, in, in all seriousness, I think that uh, you have a smart quarterback in Derek Carr who has progressively improved. Um, he's a guy that's gone from probably a little overrated early in his career when he was getting, you know, comps to like, you know, is he in the MVP conversation? Is he as good as Aaron Rodgers when, and when Aaron was struggling a little bit uh, to now kind of under underappreciated a little bit for how good he's played the, the past few years. So um, I think that'll help uh, in just in terms of, you know, managing the pocket. And then, of course, bringing in Devontae Adams who we know is an excellent route runner and can get open on top of Hunter Renfro, who's terrific, and, and of course, a healthy Darren Waller. I think all of those pieces together are going to help kind of alleviate some of those concerns. You know, as far as trying to put this thing together and have a you know one unit that is cohesive, at this stage of the game, do you think there's enough time for this, this unit as it stands right now to get on the same page? Oof, man, I, I don't know. I mean, look, on paper, uh, it doesn't look good, you know, um, but at the same time, you know, I, there's been years where we go into – actually, you know what? I'll give you a great example. Uh, when Tom Brady got to Tampa Bay two years ago, uh, I remember saying, you know what? I think this whole line is fine, right? Maybe a little below average on paper, but Brady's going to make it look like a good old line because he did that in his whole career, and Peyton Manning's done that, and Drew Brees has done that. You know, just by being good, you know, a, a good mind in the pocket, you can make – an average line look good and, you know, a below average one or a poor one look solid. Right. And so I think that's really going to be the key, right? If they're not, uh, if as long as they don't embarrass themselves and Derek Carr, uh, like I said earlier, manages the pocket ball and gets the ball to these skill guys, if you get that ball out quick, it's not going to matter nearly as much as if you had maybe a, a running quarterback or somebody who struggled with decision-making and pocket presence. Right. So, I think that's really going to be the key here, and, and that's going to be the difference maker. Now, keep in mind, they do, obviously, as you know, have a great left tackle, and that might help right. things a lot. It's really the the trick of figuring out those other four spots. So uh, it might be tough. I don't know that they're going to have a standout line, a line that, make, that moves the needle for them forward this season. But if they can find ways to overcome it, which I think maybe they can, I think maybe the personnel to do that, I think they can have success. Talking right now with Mike Clay from ESPN here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You know, you mentioned Colton Miller, and I remember Mike Martz saying that they had a really good offensive lineman in Orlando Pace when he was in St. Louis, and the rest of the guys were just that, just the rest of the guys. But Orlando Pace was so good that it, it allowed the other guys to be just, just good enough. And you, you mentioned the skill players that Derek Carr has around him. Josh McDaniels could scheme up some plays. They could chip with some running backs, maybe some tight ends. I mean, there is a way mathematically, I guess, for this thing to work out and give this offensive line a little bit of time to gel, you think? Yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, look at New England. I mean, uh, again, I, I keep going back kind of Brady examples, right. but even in recent, he's been gone, right? Like uh, Shaq Mason, we feel like, you know, he grades well at PFF, looks like a superstar right guard. They just dump him, you know, send him to Tampa. And then there's rumors that Isaiah wins on the trade block. This is a guy that's been, 
again, graded out as like an elite right tackle, you know, they, and they just cycle guys all the time. They brought Trent Brown back now, left tackle, you know, is that a system thing? And, and if so, uh, Josh McDaniels was running that offensive system. So maybe he can bring those kind of things to Las Vegas. And suddenly, you know, we're talking about a few of these guys. It's like, whoa, they just had a breakout year at age 27 or something, you right. know? So, uh, maybe that happens. I think it's going to be an excellent case study, but, uh, you know, just based on what McDaniels did in New England, I think that maybe he could bring some of that to to uh, Las Vegas and, and make these guys look good. Going back to your piece that you put out on uh, the dot com, he has you have the best and worst units for all thirty two teams, and of course Derek Carr is going to get a lot of conversation. He's ranked right now at number thirteen, which is fine. At least the quarterback position is ranked at thirteen. That's fair with the weapons he has around him. And let's just say the offensive line does good enough. How much better do you think Carr could be in twenty twenty two with the most weapons he's had really in his career? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely positioned for a career year. You know, if he has some problems this year or regresses, that's going to be a big uh, problem. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't I don't expect that to be the case. This is the best ca uh, sporting cast he's had in a long time. And frankly, you know, his sporting casts have not been that good. You know, they tried to fix some of those things with Antonio Brown, obviously, a couple of years ago. That didn't work out. And since then, he's had, you know, Hunter Renfro's obviously been a, a terrific find by then. And Darren Waller, when he's been healthy, has been awesome. But the depth there just hasn't been great, you know, and, and actually, to some extent, that's a problem this year if they have an injury or two, because uh, they, they can't seem to sort that third wide receiver spot, uh, which is, you know, obviously a little bit concerning. But, um, you know, he if everyone's healthy. Uh, and again, like you said, the offensive line holds up. He should be in position for a career year. You know, when Josh McDaniels was in New England and Randy Moss was there, and, and Randy Moss obviously is a Hall of Famer, uh, Wes Welker had an amazing year, right? I mean, just an amazing year out of the slot. When you look at Hunter Renfro, I mean, he's not going to have more yards and probably more touchdowns than Devontae Adams, but can you see him having a big-time year just because there's a Waller and an Adams that takes a little bit of heat off of him as well? Uh, for uh, Renfro, uh, yeah, I mean, I think his raw stats will come down a little bit just because you have to get, you know, at least a quarter, maybe 30% of the targets to Devontae Adams. I mean, he's been in the 97th percentile <laughs> in targets the last four years, right? The right. guy is just demands targets and that's going to be the case. Obviously as uh, you know, he's in the, the breakfast club or whatever you want to call it with, with Derek Carr, right? That's his old buddy. Yep. Uh, so they have some nice chemistry and that might take away some volume, but you know, and his efficiency has already been great, right? So there's only so far he can go. Um, so again, the stats might come down a little bit. That's okay. That doesn't mean that, you know, he didn't have a great year and was a big part of their success. So that's, that's all I would say, you know, in, in that regard, he's still a short range target, not going to do a lot vertically touchdowns should regress to the mean a little bit, but again, still going to be a huge part of this offense. Another playmaker that I wanted to ask you about is obviously Darren Waller. He returned to practice. He's a guy who's looking like he's about to get another contract or a new contract extension, some kind of sorts. Who knows what it's going to look like, but seems like they're kind of on the on the cusp of getting ready to make that happen. Uh, Darren Waller usually has double and triple coverage. Now he won't have that with Devontae Adams there. Uh, it looks like the, the Darren Waller could be in for a big year as long as he stays healthy. What are you seeing from that tight end? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's definitely one of the, the best talents, obviously a converted receiver, huge, you know, there's a lot going his way. He's been productive. Uh, it's all going to come down to health. Uh, of course, again, I mean, he might not seem on a per game basis. You might not see his targets move forward uh, just because of, of Adams being there. And obviously Renfro really developed well down the stretch last season. We'll see how they deploy the running backs in the passing game. Obviously, uh, McDaniels and and uh, and Belichick and Tom Brady and Mac Jones uh, threw to the running back a lot when yeah. they had a pass like James White. So we could see a little bit of that. So there are mouths to feed here. That's a good thing for the Raiders. Maybe not a great news for the the, the stats and the fantasy production <laughs> for some of these guys. 
I will say, you know, Darren Waller still uh, across the industry, pretty much considered a top five fantasy tight end. So, you know, we all kind of think that he's going to be a, a highly productive player. Has it ever blown your mind why it seems like when the Raiders got to the red zone, they went away from Darren Waller where it looked like it should be exactly the opposite? Just throw it up to that big body. And he even said something the other day, like my my big self should be down there getting touchdowns. It, has, it, it always blew my mind that it seemed like they never threw it to him in the end zone enough. You think that'll change under Josh McDaniels? Uh, uh, you like to think that, I mean, he did have some bad luck in the touchdown department last year, right? Like his end zone targets were the same last year and the year before. And he missed five games last season or six games last season, right? right yeah. He had nine in the full 2020 season. He had eight last year. So he was a little unlucky. Uh, but yeah, you would think they'd feature him more down there. The problem is, and, and again, I say problem for his fantasy points, but mm-hmm. a good thing for the Raiders, don't get me wrong, is that Devontae Adams can get open anywhere, right? And he's going to be yeah. open down near the goal a ton of touchdowns for uh for the Packers so uh they have more options in that area and yeah that can knock uh knock Waller's opportunities near the goal line a little bit again we're talking with Mike Clay from ESPN you can find him on Twitter at Mike Clay ESPN here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness as far as the running back room goes Josh Jacobs is the the lead back but they went and drafted Zamir White they also drafted Britton Brown everybody made the 53-man roster. They have five running backs in the room. We know Josh McDaniels likes to run running back by committee. Uh, how do you see that kind of being split up amongst the guys that are currently in the running back room? Yeah, so I still have Josh Jacobs doubling up uh, the next closest running back in terms of carries. I have him a little over 200. I have Samir White closer to 100 carries. And then uh, you expect the other guys to help out more in passing situations, right? Again, more like that. James White slash Brandon Bolden sort of role. And of course, Brandon Bolden, one of the, one of the guys in this offense coming over from new England's uh, scheme. You know, I think most, most of their work may be in pass blocking and, uh, and passing situations. So look, I, I think Jacobs will do enough on the ground and at the goal line to still be a productive player. You know, I have him over a thousand scrimmage yards. I have him closing in on 250 touches and, you know, I'm, I'm guessing a little bit. I don't, I don't know for sure how they're going to deploy these guys, but I do think at the end of the day, you look at the guys on the roster, and Josh Jacobs is the best talent there. He's the most pedigree. He's been productive in the league. Um, I just think when it comes down to it, they're going to say, all right, which, well, who do we want on the field running the ball? It's Josh Jacobs, right? And, and by the way, it's easy to say, okay, New England system, just avoid their running backs. But, you know, Damian Harris had a ton of touchdowns last season. He had 15 touchdowns. Right. <laughs> From Andre and was productive. You know, so they can... They can uh, have some guys stuff the box score in, in a variety of categories. And Jacobs, I think, will be limited to an extent as a pass catcher. His target share was trending up. Maybe that comes down a little bit. But he should do enough in there, again, to reach 1,000 scrimmage yards, maybe even a little more than that. And finally, Mike, I want to uh, switch things over to the defensive side of things. You got Max Crosby on one end. You got Chandler Jones. He was the free agent they brought in from Arizona. Uh, Max Crosby just got the contract extension. How much better do you think that he could be this upcoming year, especially with the Wiley veteran like Chandler Jones across from him? Oh, man, I love it. I love it. One of the best edge rushing groups in the NFL, for sure. Chandler Jones, just a, a player who has been underrated his whole career. You know, um, a guy even going into the draft was kind of devalued and, you know, which, I think the Patriots take some heat. Uh, people like to pick on them because they had so much success for their, uh, you know, their their misses. Whenever they miss, people jump on them. But Chandler Jones is a guy they were that was viewed as a reach. You know, he was kind of a late riser in the draft process, and they hit a home run with that for sure. Um, did a lot of his damage in Week One last year. You know, you worry about that drop off a little bit, but at the end of the day, uh, a premier edge rusher, and I think putting them two guys next to each other is going to help them both. So I think they combined for assuming health, of course, that they'll combine for twenty plus sacks. 
and should be huge for them. You know, that's edge rushing is the least of my concerns for the Raiders this year. So, Mike, it sounds like the team has a chance to be a really good team on the field. Doesn't sound like they're a really good team uh, for anybody who's looking to, to win their fantasy league. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Definitely have some good targets for sure, especially the pass catchers. You know, Adams, Waller, Renfro, they'll be helpful. Not a big car guy just because he doesn't run. That's an element of fantasy that uh, is important and has always limited him. Um, as people know, I have them on their team, but uh, these other guys uh, could could have some success, and we'll see on the defense. You know, uh, you know, still some a little bit of a concern uh, up front, the interior, of the defensive line, and then yeah. in the second rating, Mullen was a surprise to me. You know, I thought he would uh, earn his way to the one job, but it didn't happen. Rocky Seam was a guy that was losing his job in Indianapolis before he got sent to the Raiders. So, uh, you know, the safeties have potential, obviously, but. Uh, you know, we'll see how it develops, but definitely a team that has potential. It's going to be interesting. The corner, the season's right around the corner. It's fun. Can't wait till it gets here. And, of course, it's going to be a grind once it does get here. Mike, fantastic stuff as always. you got a ton of pieces, a ton of work that you put out on uh, ESPN.com. Anything that you got coming up that we need to be on the lookout for? Uh, yeah, my big NFL preview comes out here this weekend. So keep an eye out for that. It's uh, kind of an extension of that Unicrate article. It's updated for all the roster cuts and the final rosters. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Got a couple notes on the Raiders in there as well, including power rankings and all that fun stuff so uh, excited for that to drop this weekend there you go it's an expert tease right there from mike clay from espn again on twitter at mike clay espn and with us here on radio nation radio 920 mike fantastic stuff my man thanks so much we appreciate you all right you got it have a good one there he goes, Mike Clay again from ESPN, breaking it on down with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Definitely appreciate his time, and we appreciate your time as well, Raider Nation. And for that, we want to reward you. 702-365-9200, 702-365-9200. Looking for call number nine right now to get laced up with a pair of tickets to go see Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Joan Jett, and the Blackhearts. I did find out the Blackhearts are coming too. Uh, Poison, it's all going to be at Allegiant Stadium September 9th. That's right around the corner. Eight days from today. You want to be there kind of like a, a warm-up to the regular season. You know, the season gets started on the 11th. You can go to a hell of a concert on the 9th at Allegiant Stadium. You want to go? Hit us up right now. 702-365-9200. Call number 9 is what we're looking for. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio. 2.49 is the time. Remember, coming up at 3 o'clock, Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. She'll talk all things LV Aces. They came away with the victory over the Seattle Storm in Game 2 of the playoffs, second round of the playoffs last night. So we'll talk about the game. We'll talk about the performance from Asia Wilson. Also talking about Game 3 up in Seattle, how big the game that's going to be for the Aces in the game. I think, in particular, they really need to win that one. They don't need to be playing from behind, man. They need to be playing with the lead. And when I mean lead, I mean series lead. They really messed up, in my opinion, by losing that game on Sunday, the first game. I think that they could have really, um, you know, done themselves some big favors <laughs> if they won the first game of the series on Sunday, but they didn't. Right now it's tied up at 1. So we'll talk to Paloma coming up at 3 o'clock. 702-365-9200. Want to hear from you. Uh, from the undrafted free agents that are out there, you can include DJ Turner as well. He was an undrafted free agent a year ago, uh, but made the 53-man roster. Who do you think ends up being the most productive player this upcoming season? For the silver and black. Let's go out to that phone line again, 702 365 9200. Demond, who we got up? IBD Raider. Hey, there you go. Welcome to the show, my man. Hey, how's it going, Q, man? I've been uh, listening to your podcast and this radio show for about a year now. Nice. I uh, never had a chance to call, but first time calling, I got to get on your podcast as well. But uh, just wanted to call and uh, 
and say that, man, I uh, I have a bunch of, I live out here in L.A. I got a bunch of co-workers that are L.A. bandwagon Chargers fans. <laughs> and all they're talking about is Justin Herbert and how they're going to be throwing for 8,000 yards and all this stuff. But I, I just want to say, man, I'm super excited for this season. I'm ready. I'm pumped up. I'm going to the game here at the uh, SoFi Stadium. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to uh, take over the entire stadium. It's pretty much a home game for the Raiders, <laughs> as everybody knows. It doesn't matter what anyone says, but it's a home game for the Raiders, and we're going to own it. Uh, the two things that I just want to say is, one, I'm looking for Derek Carr to throw deep, uh, deep balls to Mac Hollins, T. Billy. I'm looking for Darren Waller to have more touchdowns than three years combined that he's been with us, or four years. And I'm just super excited and just wanted to thank you and everybody in the Raider Nation radio, uh, JT The Brick, Eddie Pascal, uh, everybody, man. I just want to thank, I listen to your podcast. Uh, I can't even take a shower without listening to your podcast. That's, <laughs> that's my first ritual. Every single morning, man, my phone turns on and, you know, your podcast is up and I'm ta- I cannot take a shower without that. So on the weekends, I got to find something else to listen to. But, hey, man, I just want to thank you for, for the work that you're doing for for, for, for the Raider Nation and go Raiders! There he goes. Hey, thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. Don't let that be your last call, man. Make sure you uh, hit us up uh, and let us know what's on your mind. And I hope you enjoy your time, uh, that week one game, September 11th at SoFi Stadium. And, yeah, Raider Nation, um, take over the stadium. I mean, really, I'm, I'm anticipating on, on how I'm going to get there, if I'm going to get there, what the, what the plans are going to be. But take over the stadium, man, really. Make, make it just like, you know, you just heard. And it's been said many times. Make that the Raiders' home away from home right there at SoFi Stadium. Definitely appreciate that call, my man. Uh, looking forward to this season. The anticipation is really real when it comes to the silver and black. Demond, do we have one more call lined up that you want to get to? No? no? Okay, cool. Uh, also, we have the Salmon Ash text lines. You can always hit us up at 69187, keyword R&R. One quick text from uh, the 925. Blake Martinez, the linebacker for the Giants, he just got released, has experience with Patrick Graham. What do you think? Uh, I saw that. And uh, we were talking to Mike Clay when, when that news rolled out. That's a, a bit of a shock. Blake Martinez is a good linebacker. Um, I don't think that they're going to go make a move, but that familiarity with Patrick Graham may kind of sway him in that, uh, that way. But then they didn't go make a move for James Bradbury, and he had familiarity with uh, Patrick Graham as well. So uh, I think that the linebacker room is pretty good. So I, I feel like they should be pretty comfortable where they're at. But – Again, Blake Martinez has done some really good things in the league, so that is something to pay attention to as uh, he was released earlier from the New York Giants. So thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. Now, wanted you to hear one of the, one of the alumni that got to run into uh, on Friday at Allegiant Stadium. We actually had him on the show for a really extensive conversation uh, last week, but uh, just a couple minutes with him real quick. Steve Wisniewski. It was fun to catch up with him at Allegiant Stadium on Friday. Here's that conversation. Here at Allegiant Stadium with Steve Wisniewski and and how's this feel? You know, you're here with over 300 of your brothers. We talked about it just the other day on the radio, but now you're actually here in Allegiant Stadium and everyone's here. How's this feel? Absolutely fantastic. Even better than we expected. You know, <laughs> there's over 300 guys, many of whom haven't been back in over a decade. But it's family, guys from in Legends from every era are here. And uh, family coming together, stories, guys you haven't seen in years, you turn around and we're embracing, giving each other a hug. And now it's time for Raider football. We are so right. pumped. I tell you, talk about the 12th man. It's a preseason <laughs> game, but we, we want to come out of the rafters for this one. Yeah, how exciting is that to be in Allegiant Stadium, as, as beautiful as this building is, to see this game that's going to happen tonight? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. This 
Stadium if you haven't been second to none in the league. Many of us haven't been here for a regular season or preseason game, so it's a first time for many of us, and we're absolutely thrilled. You know, and you mentioned the fact that everyone's telling stories. What are those stories like? How, how much of them have been lies? How much of them have been really good truths? Well, it's about half and half, but it, it, <laughs> a funny example. Guys you haven't seen in, in decades. You right. may, maybe not even heard of, thought of them. Mm-hmm. Today I'm walking out of the, the – uh, the lobby and I get a tap on my shoulder and I turn around and it's Andre Risen and, and right away the name comes right back right, I'm like right. Andre you know and I'm giving <laughs> him a great big hug and we start telling stories and laughing and that's the brotherhood that's the family that's the once a Raider always a Raider it truly is a, a very powerful thing you know and that's something Al Davis started but how important is it that Mark Davis kept that going and, and keeping it alive and, and well really Absolutely. You know what? Just last night, I saw Mark walk into a team dinner that they had sponsored for us. I ran right up to him. I said, Mark, I just want to tell you thank you. I said, you get nothing out of this organization, gets nothing in return. And it's such a nice thing. And he said, no, 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 we get a lot in return. And I said, well, I mean, financially, you don't do anything, you know, Mm -hmm. in return. Um, but it's powerful, and he and his father have always believed that former players are, are the ones that paved the, the road, that, that built this organization into what it is today. And that's just a refreshing and unique perspective. You know, I've asked a lot of former Raiders this. What does it mean to be a Raider? Man, again, it's part of a family, something bigger than self, you yeah. know, and you're part of a family. And you realize when you're a player that you represent those who went before you. And even now, when I do an appearance, I realize I want to represent well Mm -hmm. um, and reflect well on the organization. There he goes right there, Steve Wisniewski. Uh, It was great to catch up with him for a few minutes. Obviously had a really good lengthy conversation with him last week ahead of uh, Alumni Weekend. But, you know, it just seems a little bit even different when they're actually there on the scene. So that's why I wanted to catch up with him, just like Fu, man. Phil Villapiano also caught up with him. And we know we had a great lengthy conversation with him. Hell, his phone hung up and he called us back. We had such a long conversation with him last week. But still, uh, just catching up with him again on, uh, on Friday was a lot of fun. So you hear that conversation later on in today's show. But coming up next, we kick off hour number two of the show, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She'll join to talk all things LV Aces, the other team owned by Raider owner Mark Davis. We'll talk about that next here on Raider Nation Radio 920.